Hi, I'm Steph. I'm Kim. And, and this, this is Solved, Unsolved or Spooky. So we're back here again. So how are you, Kim? I'm good. How are you? Amazing. I'm good. Um, I hope everyone had a great time, great celebrations, and hopefully everyone has a great new year. Great 2021. <laughs> we'll just be drinking hot chocolate and marshmallows. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Very exciting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So we finally got our first review on iTunes from a young lady who's known as It's So Hard to Think of a Name. Sorry, <laughs> It's Too Hard to Think of a Name. So I'll read it out. It was pretty incredible. Love, love, love. You girls are incredible. I went from crying to horrified to being in hysteric and sometimes all three at the same time. Can't wait to see where this goes. Smiley face. <laughs> so the young lady that sent us this review also took a screenshot of it and sent it to our email address. And as our first iTunes review, we're going to send you a shirt. A solved, unsolved, or spooky shirt. So we'll be in touch with you soon via email to get a size and an address, and we'll be able to post that out to you. So thank you so, so much. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we're so grateful. Thank you so much. Okay, so what are you going to be doing today, Kim? I am <laughs> I am going to be doing the story of Julia Tafana. Oh, who's this chick? Uh, she's an entrepreneur. Oh. I like a good entrepreneur. I actually think you will like her. I mean, she's kind of bad. I mean, she is bad. Kind of bad. <laughs> but I think, like, oh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I'm not condoning it, but I get it. Okay. Okay. So, okay. so not condoning. Yeah. No. Just would if you could. No. I just, I understand. Okay. Like, if I was in... Not even her situation, but you'll see. All right, all right. Okay, so we're starting in 17th century Italy, Ooh. where women were often forced into loveless and often a very abusive marriages. Sounds like 2020. <laughs> Sorry. They were often just seen as objects that belonged to their fathers and then to their husbands. So, yeah, not great. Not a good place to be. No. Uh, these women had no financial or social power and didn't have many options, which were essentially just to get married and put up with it, to stay single and rely on sex work, or become a nun. So, mm. <laughs> not great options. And for many women, well, these options, they just didn't work for them, and they sought a different solution to their problem. you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily for them... 17th century Rome had a flourishing criminal magical underworld. Oh, mm. I like magic. <laughs> that provided the services to make these problems disappear. This underground community was found in other large European cities and was made up of alchemists, apo uh, apothecaries, and experts in black magic. Oh, I like this. Yes, apart from the black magic because that stuff comes back at you. So don't do that. Did they have, like, a name for this underworld? 
I don't know, just the magical criminal underworld, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. So this brings us to – sorry if I pronounced any of these names wrong, but I am not good at pronouncing these names. So Stefania Diadamo was executed in Palermo on the 12th of July, 1633, and she was accused of having murdered her husband, Francis. It is said that she'd probably poisoned him. <laughs> she was an apothecary who made and sold perfumes, cosmetics, herbal medicines, and other concoctions. Hmm. I mean, sounds like you. Yeah, me. Apart <laughs> <laughs> from the poisoning part. You haven't got a husband. <laughs> yeah. Their daughter, Julia Tafana, was born in Palermo roughly around 1620, but it isn't known for sure and there isn't much information about her childhood. Stop for a sec. So when was the mum executed? Um, 1633. And she was born in? 1620. 1620, roughly. So she was 13 when her mum got executed. Like, just roughly then. So she was well and truly learning the arts. Yeah. Uh, Well, (laughs) Tafana was described as being very beautiful and took after her mother in more than one way including a mastery of apothecaries in which she had exhibited an interest in since an early age. She spent a lot of time with these apothecaries. She particularly liked to be there when they were making their potions, mm. and she eventually developed her own beauty product, Aquatofana, <laughs> <laughs> which she named after herself pretty much. Oh, what was that? Um, Aquatofana translates to Tofana water. Oh. Yeah. Julia Tafana also became a widow. A widow? A widow. <laughs> <laughs> and it is said that it was Julia who killed her husband by way of poisoning. Oh. So, like mother, like daughter. But they're not 100% sure that's how the mum killed her husband, but they reckon it is. And she moved with her daughter, I'm not sure how to say it, Giroloma Spara, or in the English way is like Hope. Giroloma, I think is how you say it. Uh, they moved to Naples and then eventually to Rome. Hmm. With the help of her daughter and a group of reliable women, Tafana gained a reputation as a friend to the troubled wife. The troubled wife? Oh. She helped her kill her husband? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted to help other women who were trapped in marriages with no foreseeable way out. <laughs> other than to become a widow themselves. Her group of poisoners may have also recruited a local Roman priest, Father Girolamo, I think. Priests can't do that kind of thing. Apparently you can. It is generally believed that priests supplied the arsenic for the poison. Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> Julia Tofana packaged her poison so that it could easily blend in on a woman's vanity, sitting beside her makeup, lotions, and perfumes, going completely unnoticed. That is pure genius. I know. Whoa. To those not in the know, her business was cosmetic. She sold powders and liquids to enhance woman's beauty. That front made it easier to disguise her best-selling product, Aqua Tofana. <gasps> It's Aquatofana. Oh, I love it. Yep. Aquatofana contained some of the same ingredients as normal cosmetics at the time. Husbands were none the wiser, but their wife's beauty regime was a product that they would end up using to kill them with. Although it was known to her customers as Aquatofana, 
The glass bottle that it came in was labelled Mana of St. Nicholas of Bari, I think, which is which was an extremely popular healing oil at the time for blemishes. Oh. Very smart. <laughs> Despite its subtlety, Aquatafana was super powerful. It was colourless, tasteless, and it could kill a man with just four to six drops. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But the most amazing part of the potion was how undetectable it was even after death. It would kill a victim over days. It was slow-acting with symptoms resembling those of progressive disease or other natural causes. Like COVID? I don't know. <laughs> COVID's a bit extreme. <laughs> the symptoms seen are similar to the effects of arsenic poisoning. The first small dosage would produce cold-like symptoms. So I guess we kind of Oh, my goodness, this could come back. <laughs> Cold-like symptoms. The victim would become extremely ill by the third dose. These symptoms included vomiting, diarrhea, dehydration, and the burning sensation in the digestive system. The antidote often given was vinegar and lemon juice. (laughs) (laughs) The fourth dose would kill the victim. As it was slow-acting, it allowed victims time to prepare for their death, which usually conveniently included repenting and writing a will. Oh, my goodness, these girls are so clever. As Chambers Journal wrote in 1890 of the poison, to save her fair fame, the wife would demand a post-mortem examination. Result? Nothing, except that the woman was able to pose as a slandered innocent, and then it would be remembered that her husband died without either pain inflammation, fever, or spasms. If, after this, the woman within a year or two formed a new connection, nobody could blame her. No, the poor dears. <laughs> According to most accounts, Julia Tofana's business successfully fooled the authorities for around 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> she was very careful to only sell products to ladies that she knew or women who would be embedded by past clients. Mm. Yeah, she was like, if if I don't think you're going to keep my secret, no to you. (laughs) She she may have even gone undiscovered for a lot longer had it not been for a bowl of soup and a wife who changed her mind. Julia. In 1650, a woman served her husband a bowl of soup laced with a drop of aquatofana. But before her husband could take a spoonful, the woman had a change of heart and begged him not to eat it. Don't eat that soup. This obviously raised his suspicions, and he accused his wife, abused his wife, until she confessed to poisoning the food. He immediately turned the woman in, and upon more torturing by authorities, she admitted that she had purchased Aquatafana from Julia Tafana. Oh, dear. Mm. With the authorities searching for her, the Farnahat escaped to a local church where she was granted sanctuary. That was until a rumour spread that she had used her aqua to Fana to poison the local water supply. Oh, God. Yeah. Not true, I don't th- I didn't say it was true, but there was a rumour. Um, the church was then stormed and she was given to the authorities. Aww. Yeah. She was arrested and confessed to producing the poison after being horrifically tortured. She then implicated several of her clients, 
claiming that they had known what they were buying. Well, the fact they were giving it to the husband <laughs> instead of using it. Yeah. Well, you'll see. Some of them are like, no, I didn't know. How? I didn't know. I thought it was to make the food better. Yeah. Julia confessed to killing as many as 600 men. Wow. Yeah. With the use and sales of her poison between the years of 1633 and 1651. Well, they should have treated their wives better. <laughs> Making her one of the most successful serial killers ever. That is incredible. Julia Tafana, her daughter and her daughter and three employees were executed in rooms Campo di Fiori, I think. Apparently her corpse was then thrown over the wall into the church that had offered her sanctuary. Mm. Yep. Additionally, over 40 of Tafana's lower-class customers were also executed, while others were bricked into the dungeons of the Palace of the Holy Office, while women of the upper class were either imprisoned. Can I go back to the dungeon, ladies? Were they alive when they got bricked in? Ah, yeah. Oh, that's nasty. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. They didn't have great punishments back then, Mum. While women of the upper class were either imprisoned or escaped punishment altogether by insisting that they never knew their cosmetics were actually poison. Money talks. Mm. Although some of them apparently were just suffocated in prison. <laughs> yeah. Just strangled yeah. or something. Yeah. Some accounts do say that her poisoning spree lasted far longer than this and that she was captured, tortured and executed in 1709 but I mostly read that she was executed in 1651. Wow. Oh, this bit was interesting. Over a century later, famous composer Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart fell ill at age of 35, and there is a legend that he was poisoned by Aqua Tofana. But this is completely unsubstantiated, even though it was Mozart himself who had apparently started this rumour. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Do we know what he actually died from? Oh. Well, I think um, we'll get down a bit. <laughs> Research by musicologist Oliver Hahn and Claudia Mura Zenek on Mozart's manuscripts, however, reveal large amounts of arsenic in the manuscript of Die Zorberflot Mozart was working on towards the end of his life. As his health deteriorated, he allegedly said, I feel definitely that I will not last much longer. I am sure that I have been poisoned. I cannot rid myself of this idea. Someone has given me aquatofana and calculated the precise time of my death. Bit dramatic. So, so how was he getting the arsenic? I don't know. Well, it's still not known what led to Mozart's ultimate demise. Some believe it was perhaps because of aquatofana. However, it is largely believed that he did not die of poisoning. Oh. And this would have been this would have been hard to validate as Julia Tofana's exact recipe was never recorded. However, it is believed that she used a mixture of arsenic, lead, and belladonna, which was commonly used in cosmetics throughout the 17th century. Yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? Yep. And my story. That is totally amazing. As you said, you really don't condone killing your husband. <laughs> but they shouldn't be treating you bad either. I was going to say, I was like, well, if you weren't a shit husband, 
then you wouldn't be dead. Yeah, pretty much. But then if you didn't kill your crappy husband, yeah. you wouldn't be dead. I was going to say, they kind of backfired on them all. So. Yeah, but they couldn't get divorced and whatnot, so I don't know, they had to do what they had to do, I guess. <laughs> yep. Hmm. So today's one was going to only short one because it's New Year's Eve. But we still wanted to give you something. So hope you liked it. Yeah, and Kim and I are working on a competition that we'll be bringing to you over the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned and listen out. All right. Hope you guys have a good one. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> Although it won't be New Year. Like, then it'll be the New Year, but it won't be. It will be just after New Year, yeah. but Happy New Year. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. You can follow us at Facebook at Solved, Unsolved or Spooky, on Twitter at hashtag or solved, Instagram at Solved, Unsolved or Spooky. You can email us at podcast at solved, unsolved or spooky.com. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Mm-hmm.